The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. If this is your first time, welcome and make yourself at home. This is episode number 29. As many of you know, I am fascinated by the enigma of crop circles, and on this show, where there's a topic that interests all of us, we look for the best of the best. Tonight is no exception. Colin Andrews. Colin has been absent from the public eye for almost five years. And we are privileged tonight to have him on as he gets back in the public eye with his new research. Since I wanted to have the best person discuss this topic, a few weeks ago, he finally accepted my invitation. And wait until you hear everything that we discussed. I guarantee it. This will be a fascinating show full of surprises. Colin will be with us shortly. Thanks for your feedback about what I deemed Veritas Disclosure, which was my history on how this show came about. I kept the audio in the Whitley Streber show for 24 hours and now have removed it. Anyone interested can still listen to it at the bottom of the Veritas About page. The Veritas show is syndicated by the following affiliates. K-Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network, and the Paranormal Radio Network. 
WPRN 105.8 FM, New Orleans. You can listen to Veritas right on our website, on iTunes, and RSS feeds throughout cyberspace. We are heard in 132 countries. Thanks to you, Veritas is, with no doubt, an international show. And let me tell you about the upcoming guests. Next week, we have Timothy Good, world-renowned best-selling author and UFO researcher. Joanne Sanders, The Secret Space Program. And since the talk of the town is recently the Federal Reserve, I decided to bring on the person who really opened my eyes about this subject years ago, G. Edward Griffin, author of the book The Creature of Jekyll Island. You can't miss these shows. If you need to get in touch with me, send an email to mel, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com, or head onto our website and click on the contact button at veritasshow.com. Don't forget to stop by the Manticore Forum, where you can send questions to our future guests and discuss many topics with members around the world. Our chat room is another place where you can interact with me and other listeners around the world, usually on Friday and Saturday evenings. And who knows, Colin Andrews may drop by this Friday to answer your questions. And here's a preview of next week's show with British best-selling author and UFO researcher Timothy Good. Senator Byrd of, of uh, I think, West Virginia, he was well aware, as he stated to me in, in a letter, which I've actually published in my book, that um, he's aware that there's been actual communication. He's, he's spoken to people who have confirmed that there's been actual communication with aliens, recovered craft, and so on and so forth. And unbelievably, they were, they were successful in bringing some of these things down. And this led to retaliation on a worldwide scale not just the United States. By the States. aliens? By the aliens, I, I'm convinced. Yes, there, were unex- there was a series of terrifying, unexplained air crashes, not just military planes, but uh, airliners. Airliners often unable to get off the ground or crashing at the end of the runway, k- killing passengers. Um, military planes colliding with each other as if they'd been thrown together. And a lot of that, I'm quite sure, has been, has been suppressed. There's an awful lot of, of frightening information to come out, but I think hundreds of people must have lost, if not thousands, must have lost their lives. A lot of people have come forward, and uh, it took the military about three weeks before they could, they found a way of deassembling it and taking it uh, to some um, top secret air facility in an Air Force base. So do you believe we've reverse-engineered these craft? Yes, definitely, and, and the Aztec one was the one that gave them the most information, much more so than Roswell. The craft was, was almost as if the creatures and craft were part of a single unit. There was, there was hardly any equipment inside. It's been going on for a long time, and I'm convinced that the reason for it is that, that many of these races are located under sea in huge undersea bases and have been for a very long time. In fact, I think, I think they are our progenitors. They've been here on planet Earth for longer than we have. And many of them retain bases on this planet as well as bases uh, elsewhere in the solar system. And undersea bases are very, very large, I've been told by, by several people. Um, I was told there are two large bases in the Pacific Ocean, one of them extremely large. I was told there's one, certainly one in the Caribbean area, which I'm convinced is Puerto Rico. All over, several, several underground bases 
usually in mountainous regions uh, in the United States and certainly in elsewhere, South America. Alaska, there is a big base. And this was all very real. They were clearly describing an unknown machine. And uh, there was a five-day air sea rescue. They never found the planes or the bodies. And there's a recording of the uh, the uh, communication with yes, the tower. Yes, I don't have that. Um, I wouldn't mind getting a copy, uh, but I don't actually have a copy of it. It's very disturbing. I'll get it for you. I, I'd love one. Thank you, Mel. It's uh, it's very disturbing. You know, we we are we are a crossbreed, if you like. A hybrid. Yes. By making us more peaceful, the better to take over this planet. That is very definitely some of these guys are after taking over this planet completely. Many citizens are led to believe the unknown objects are flying uh, are, are nonsense. And of course that, that remains the same to this day. It's been very, very effective. You know, little green men, oh, you believe in flying saucers, little green men. You've only got to say that and that's it. But uh, it is very real and they have to debunk it because it is, it is threatening to them and uh, stability of the world would most definitely be, be affected if, if all the information came out. I wish to make it perfectly clear that the UFOs I saw were structured machines moving under intelligent control and operating beyond the realm of anything I have ever seen before or since. I believe the objects that I saw at close quarters were extraterrestrial in origin and that the security services of both the United States and England were and have been complicit in trying to subvert the significance of what occurred at Rendlesham by use of well-practiced methods of disinformation. We now have the technology to go to the stars. We found the missing equation. All this stuff is buried in black budget, sure. extremely highly classified. It would take an act of God to get this into the public domain for the welfare of humanity. Yes. Our studio is located in an area that doesn't have any air traffic, oh. uh, planes or helicopters. And just a minute ago, I heard a helicopter fly over here very low, so oh dear. <laughs> I, I don't know. If they know I'm talking to you, Timothy. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time, and um, they're here. And now, get ready to spend a night with the father of the term crop circles. We will discuss the chain of sudden deaths of prominent crop circle researchers, why Colin is back after almost five years out of the public eye, and about the most extraordinary developments in the field of crop circle research. This is to be the most revealing interview in many years. There are so many surprises in store for you. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. Timothy Good, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Colin Andrews is a well-known researcher and author 
and is widely acknowledged as the world expert on the crop circle phenomenon. He is the founder of Circles Phenomenon Research International, the first organization established specifically to investigate the crop circle phenomenon, whose scientific investigations are responsible for much of the current information available on the subject. Andrews supervised the largest surveillance project of its kind during 1990, called Operation Blackbird. It was an effort to film a crop circle forming, backed and supported by the British Army, BBC, and Nippon Television, and was watched closely by the international media. Andrews is an electrical engineer by profession and a former senior officer in British regional government. And it is a real honor to have with us tonight the father of the term crop circles, Colin Andrews. Hello, Colin. I'm glad my persistence finally paid off. Welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be talking with you, Mel. My pleasure. I feel like I have a friend on the line. and I've been talking to you and emailing you. <laughs> Watching your interviews for the last uh, few days, so I feel like I know you more than you know me. <laughs> well, uh, nice to be with you. First of all, congratulations on your Paradigm Research Group Lifetime Achievement Award. I had Stephen Bassett uh, on a few days ago, and we talked about you. He says you're back in the game. How back are you, and what is it that you want to say and do? Well, uh, he is right. I'm very much back. Uh, I, the last four years that I've been... Um, basically in the background. I've been pulling more energy back in, you know, having really spent that last 26 years in a, a fairly hectic lifestyle of traveling all around the world and researching and so on. I needed the break. Um, and after um, this uh, 2080 uh, statement that I made on television in the year 2000, which I'm sure we can talk about, um, I received such a lot of flack um, hate mail, etc., etc. Um, but long story short, I, I needed a break. I've had a break. Um, I didn't really anticipate coming back in, I have to say. Uh, but I, I feel really um, compelled to 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 come back in and, and I have uh, I do have some things to say and uh, you know the the wakening shot I guess the first shot in the uh, rounds that I've basically got behind me that I feel I've got to square up um, was uh, in Washington with Steve Bassett and the X conference uh, just a few weeks ago so yes I am back and uh, thanks to Steve for the very first presentation actually the second um, uh, we're here and we have a lot to say it seems i'm lucky to get uh, to talk to people i admire and who have been away from the public eye for a while first it was robert morning sky whom you know yes, who do. says hello by the way well, thank you after 10 years sure after 10 years and now after five in fact i didn't realize that you pulled out of the public eye for five years was the ex-conference uh, appearance a sign that you're back and what was the reason for your self-imposed public retreat, and also what motivated you to come back? Well, it, it, the you know I pulled back because I, I needed the break. I, I needed to pull energy in. I I felt that I had done my job. There are many researchers out there now looking at this. But what motivated me to come back primarily uh, was a statement made by another guest of yours that I know you've had on, uh, Nick Pope, uh, who was the former head of the UFO project at the Ministry of Defence in Great Britain. Uh, Nick published yes. um, a statement of the and and making clear that it was the official government statement 
development and position with regard to the crop circles and UFO, uh, which I knew to be, uh, and absolutely knew, to be blatantly inaccurate and, I will say, untrue. I'm not accusing, of course, uh, I have to be careful about this and clear, I've, I'm not accusing Nick of uh, deliberately lying, but uh, here was something that had to be put right because the British government would seem to uh, be and have been uh, appearing to rewrite history uh, now that I was conveniently out of the way. Uh, they were uh, attempting to basically entirely remove myself from the scene and the information that I had uh, with me. And therefore, when uh, Steve Bassett invited me to the X conference a few weeks ago in Washington, D.C., I was very pleased to accept that opportunity of a high-profile um, uh, showing of the evidence, the documentation, and the photographs, or the aerial photographs that the government had taken that I was part of. And uh, uh, I knew a different story, a very different story, to the official government line and that that Nick had been putting out. So that was the first, uh, the first kind of round, as it were, that needed to be squared up. It's out there now. I'm sure you've seen it, Mal. It's all over the internet. And I followed it straight through uh, with an offer from a publishing house to put a book out on that. And it was published in a very short time uh, on exactly the same subject with all of the documentation, the photographs that the government clearly did not want us to see. Is that the book Government Circle? Yes, it is. Yeah. Colin, before we start delving into the crop circle phenomenon and 2012, and yes, for members of the audience, Colin and his wife, Cynthia, have also researched 2012, and they have a book, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's The Idiot's Guide to 2012, am I right? Uh, you are right, Mel, yes. It's not a, um, a title that I would have chosen myself <laughs> know, as degrading as that, but as you know, it's the Complete Idiot's Guide series of Penguin, and this happens yes. to be on the year 2012, yes. Now, please take us back to the moment in time when you started, and a lot of people may not have heard uh, you. You know, I'm surprised that uh, anybody would not know who you are, but if there's anybody out, out there who doesn't know you, please take us back to that moment in time when you started researching Crop Circles Consciousness 2012 and the vast array of topics you now discuss. If I remember correctly, I heard you say that back in 1983, there weren't any researchers, just the farmers. That, Please give us a summary of how this all started for you. Yes. Um, well, it, it all started. I was a senior official in the British regional government, uh, an electrical engineer by profession. And uh, I was driving on my way to a meeting, uh, just a regular day in central southern England, very close to Stonehenge. I was driving on high ground on my way to this meeting. And I just happened a momentary glance, uh, which I will tell you has changed my life. Uh, it literally was a momentary glance to my left in a vehicle with only myself in it. Um, and I saw... Uh, down in the valley below my vehicle in an amphitheater, you know, a natural kind of valley that looked like an amphitheater, um, a set of five crop circles which were forming a cross. And uh, there was a large central circle, probably 80 or 90 feet in diameter. That's the way it looked from my vehicle with uh, four circles uh, uh, equally spaced, uh, north, south, west, east. That's the way it looked around it. So, um, I took note of where it was. Um, I, I, my first opportunity to pull off the highway, I did. And uh, I eventually turned out being very late for my meeting because I 
walked about 20 minutes down in, it took me 20 minutes to walk down the steep hill into this field. And what I know uh, right from the start, this is in July 1983, was that in walking across uh, that wheat field, uh, the only tracks in that field were my own. Uh, this was before people were generally aware of the phenomena, although farmers were, uh, but the public were generally not. And uh, I arrived at the first circle. Having navigated my way on the ground, it's not so easy to see them when you're down on flat ground. But I, I eventually got there and uh, I could hear uh, the plants were kind of popping. There was a, a sound coming from the circles, uh, which ultimately turned out to be, as I got into the very first circle, was the sound of the plants uh, one by one, attempting to rise back up. So they were kind of hmm. intertwined and they were lifting. Uh, and I could hear that sound. But So that was the beginning. And I made uh, inquiries. I uh, came across a, a man, a local man, the farmer was telling me, uh, was also asking questions about these circles in his field, was Pat Delgado. And Pat had himself in 1981 seen circles in that same field. We are now aware that uh, there were circles there right back to uh, to the 1923-45 period. But he was working with Dr. Terence Meaden. Um, he, had, uh, uh, he had spoken with a, a, a meteorologist in Wiltshire in the adjacent county who was beginning to see these things in his locality. And so the three of us, that is Pat, Terence Meaden, myself, and then Busty Taylor, a local uh, light aircraft pilot, joined forces and became the first team uh, in the world. As it, We weren't aware of that at the time, but of course, as time has gone on, we were clearly the only people out there uh, researching a new, uh, uh, certainly a new modern day uh, phenomenon. So that's how it began. And uh, in 1989, that was 83, but in 1989, Pat Delgado and I decided that our data should be published. Uh, we had uh, seen these circles by then on Ministry of Defense land in the aircraft that Busty was piloting for us. We would reach altitudes that allowed us to see in a non-permitted airspace of the Ministry of Defense around the Stonehenge area and could see circles in that on that territory, which meant of course, that if we were looking at the possibility of man-made, uh, here were some that uh, were either not or people were gaining access uh, to secure military areas uh, without their knowledge. And so we published the book, the very first book on the subject, uh, Circular Evidence. And, you know, the, I uh, uh, invented, if that's the word, the term crop circles, which was just a term that covered that that we were looking at. These were simple circles uh, in the late 80s. And uh, from that book uh, led to many things and to this very moment that I'm speaking to you in leaving my country, my first marriage, um, my profession, and uh, an awful lot uh, is behind me as I've uh, come to the United States now, continuing to research uh, with my second marriage. Uh, there's an awful lot to be said, but here I am, and that's how it all began, Mel. I wanted to ask you about all the losses you've incurred in life doing this, but before that, before I forget, you mentioned Stonehenge. Yeah. Why do you think most crop circles appearing in England, I don't know about now, but they used to typically appear within a 40-mile radius of Stonehenge. 
And that is still the case uh, right the way through. As we would put pins in that large map on my wall in the office in England, uh, now here in Connecticut, um, those pins were... uh, almost always, uh, within a 40-mile radius of Stonehenge, uh, an archaeological site, uh, which is itself, of course, a circle. Uh, the early dimensions of the original simple forms of crop circles uh, fell into the same dimensions on the um, English heritage, the official English heritage map, uh, placement of the stones of Stonehenge uh, itself. And so here was, once again, either an extraordinary co- Incidents, or there was an association, a real connection. Um, my personal view, and this may be for later in the program where we kind of develop this, but um, my personal view is that uh, Stonehenge was, uh, is located in a very special place. Uh, that was known by the ancients that built it, uh, depending upon uh, you know whose um, assessment it is. But you're looking at between three and seven thousand years ago. Uh, it's a broad spectrum of uh, opinions on how old Stonehenge is. But when you look at uh, the facts that those early designs, even when they became a little more complicated, with a simple circle with a single ring and then a double ring, these also matched the internal external barrows of Stonehenge itself. And so uh, I I have been quite prepared to accept um, a a broad theory that uh, the crop circle phenomenon uh, was perhaps occurring at that time, a cyclical event um, that occurred then uh, at this place where there clearly was uh, habitation and some kind of uh, uh, um, settlement and it was seen for what it uh, what it was and what they saw was what we continue to see today are these orbs or broadly speaking UFOs that they simply did not understand uh, perhaps less so than we do today although we neither have the answers to that particular phenomenon and therefore here we had ground patterning, we'll say crop circles, which were then, um, was, you could say, uh, not commemorated wouldn't be the word, but uh, secured in history in a solid form by the construction of uh, stones, large stones, that they prayed to and it became their spiritual center uh, with a background of earth energies for placement and aerial phenomena and ground effect being the crop circles all in one place. And to this day, that is still the situation. And so I would say, the, the, I guess the, that was a long answer, but the short answer would be spiritual, archaeological, earth energies, uh, a chakra point of the planet earth itself, and maybe a lot, lot more. I heard you say during the ex-conference that you've paid a reasonable price. You lost your job, your marriage, and your country by doing what you do. It seems that many people in related fields lose everything because of what they do. Steve Bassett is another example of someone who I know. If it's not too personal, could you elaborate on the sequence of events that made you lose so much to bring so much information to the world? Well, um, yes, I'll try, Mel. It's... um 
It's a situation where a switch is thrown inside of you. It's uh, a kind of an addictive compulsion uh, for reasons you simply don't understand. I don't mean you. I mean the person experiencing it. Um, Yes. And, uh, you know, when you... When you fall in love, I mean, there's something extremely special. It's very deep-rooted. It's inside of you. It's in your soul. And when I uh, first saw uh, these circles that form the cross uh, and stood in that cir- those circles, the central circle, alone, uh, it was a very special experience. Um, I felt this. I was looking at something extraordinary. I kind of, not to be arrogant, but I, something inside of me uh, basically told me this was important, uh, this was going somewhere, and uh, that, I, that I was part of it. And uh, uh, there's a broader story to that that maybe wouldn't be the time to speak that. But um, I felt compelled to, to do all I could to understand it, uh, which I started to do immediately. I mean, that evening, I was calling the Minister of Defense and the police and departments I had access to and privileged position that I was in. And uh, by information led me to, yes, indeed, this was a mystery that nobody had the answer to. Um, and so uh, I felt compelled to continue with this. And as I did so, um, Uh, an uneducated and unaware public uh, became slowly more aware through the television interviews and and shows like this that uh, I did and uh, my colleagues began to do. And so then uh, there was a tidal wave changing around me, which meant that my profession, my job, that that I was known for locally and that you know, my community knew that I was involved in in, in, in in the councils, in the local government, suddenly there was a shift. And this was now a person who was researching these mysterious uh, circles and UFOs that are, are always, always perceived to be associated. And therefore, uh, my, you could say my, my uh, gambit of friends, my relationships uh, shifted. Um, that yes. that I was respected for in my profession shifted. And those people that were prepared and were my friends, my um, uh, professional friends, distanced themselves because these were not people, all of them, who wanted to associate with the subject that I was involved in. And this rubbed off uh, in my family. Uh, My wife uh, at that time uh, was embarrassed, I think, uh, if I was to be Mm -hmm. honest about it. And uh, also um, my home uh, was a media center where I was doing two and three television and radio interviews many, most days for a number of years. And uh, it broke. And uh, so therefore, my marriage and my profession was in jeopardy. And my boss uh, at the time, and I was at a high level myself, uh, basically had me in the office. Not many days after my wife had said to me, you know, you've got a choice to make. Uh, then I was given the same kind of um, uh, discussion. I had the same kind of discussion with my boss, who basically was saying, look, you know, you see what's happening here, Colin. You know, the switchboard is red hot. The lights are on all day long, and it's not anything to do with the, with the job you're here to do. You know, right. so you have a choice to make. And the, my marriage crumbled, my job, I resigned, and um, I left my country ultimately, uh, eventually, um, uh, to uh, the United States. And um, that's the short, <laughs> the, believe it or not, the short version uh, of what is behind. 
did you feel that in the United States people are a bit more open? To, to these more, let's call them esoteric subjects? Uh, yes, yes, I, I did. That, that, that would be the, the very simple answer to that. And uh, at a time, too, when um, I, was, I was completely self-funded, and that, that was a legitimate um, uh, um, disagreement uh, with my, my first wife, that, uh, you know, I was funding, and, and when you're married, it's we are funding, you know, yes, uh, this exactly. entire thing. And... Uh, so, uh, you know, th there were strains there, but um, I had a best-selling book in Circular Evidence with Pat and I that did give us some latitude. It allowed me to make the biggest decision of my life, for one of them, which was to, to hell with it. I thought, you know, this has become agony. Um, I will take the chance. Um, I will resign. I will um, do whatever it takes to try and get to the bottom of this. This is what it's cost me, so let's go for it. And uh, in the United States, um, I found uh, a willingness to listen to uh, to the research parameters and to the requirements that were needed to pursue this. And uh, I was um, only four, it is true, uh, three or three, I think, or four years, I was funded by Lawrence Rockefeller um, in oh. New York. Um, yeah, he, that was uh, for him, him personally and not he, the uh, Rockefeller Foundation. Um, right. But, you know, yes, there, there was a, a broader interest here, um, a willingness um, to get involved. Uh, but both sides of the Atlantic, Mel, um, there is a nervousness in government, uh, in the government circles of which I have been, uh, you know, involved. Uh, there is a definite nervousness, both sides of the water, uh, with this subject, and in particular, and the linkage of it with the UFO. Um, so, so that's that story. When you came up with the term crop circles, they were just that, circles. They were. But now they've progressed and evolved into very sophisticated patterns. Let's talk about the what. Have you found out what crop circles really are? And please, let's ignore the Doug and Dave yeah. attempt to fool us, too. Yes. Uh, well, yes, I, I mean, I'm a lot further down the road than, uh, than I was uh, those days when they were simple. Um, a lot further down the road. Uh, I have had uh, personal experiences which um, I thought were simply bizarre at the time, that I have now learned ha, um, ha, are occurring, uh, continue to occur, to people uh, making crop circles as well as people researching them, and have got closer, I believe, um, to part of the answer uh, to this uh, mystery. Um, I would say, and it's important to cover the ground, however unpleasant it is, I've learned that whilst I was unwilling um, initially to engage, as you have just said, the Doug and Dave business was uh, the biggest damaging blow to the research of this phenomenon, and uh, it, it has never really been seen uh, in the same light since those days, but they are behind us, and we have much more evidence, including some things I could tell you about the Doug and Dave nonsense, which I agree with you, we don't need to talk very much about. Uh, but I would say this, Mal, that uh, it is important to embrace uh, that that is unfortunately has been troubling all of us, that is the hoaxing in those fields in southern England, because uh, if we are to accept, and I personally do, that there is a, an intelligence, 
at work here, that it is interacting with humanity, it is interacting with individuals, and I've had personal experiences, which it took me some years to share because I wanted to be seen to be scientifically based, uh, to being fair and scientifically uh, approaching with all of the normal protocols, uh, this research. But knowing in the back of my mind, uh, and my family knew this too, that I had had some experiences which I could not account for in, 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 with using any scientific um, descriptions. And so this is where I am now. I do believe that we know, and this is one of the reasons that I'm back out, because there's more to come. And the more to come is that I am going to, I'm about to make the next um, uh, public um, presentation in England, in Bristol, England, in July. I'm flying over there with a presentation, uh, which is going to be an add-on now to the having got the government side of this out the way, uh, which is, yes, they have been involved, deeply involved, to prime minister level, to queen level, and I have been involved with them. So that's kind of behind us now. The set has scene has been reset. Now we need to talk, as you and I are now just doing, uh, is, okay, what's causing them? Well, we are ourselves involved here, I believe, in a social experiment, which either began as an error, as a mistake, as a kind of a ramification of things that were going on, that is man-made and otherwise, in the fields of southern England, and now are involved. And involved means this, that, and I'll give you one example as to where I'm coming from now, interaction is going on in the fields of this planet. And that, this, is, this is what it means, that Two research, three researchers that I will refer to now in this particular example, they head out to a field, they make a simple design, which I was informed about uh, the day after, early in the morning of the day after, simply because they knew that I was likely to get some media uh, about what they had done. The reason they did it, which is important for me to explain, was to blind test the science as it, as it stood at that time. And this is in the mid-90s. Uh, mid Plants were taken and sent for analysis. I was in the first aircraft over the field early that morning when I found out about this, when I was told about it. And what was in the field then, just hours after it had been made by people, was something different. And this is it was shocking to the people involved. This has happened since. It will happen again. And this is, this is what happened. They placed, um, this is easier for me to, um, to show you than to describe it, but I'll do my best. Uh, they, they, they made in this field two circles, different diameters, connected by a looping pathway, a little bit um, like a tadpole, uh, a little bit like that. And they came out and then they waited. And they're waiting to see what researchers would say, what the science would find. When I fl flew over that field, hours later, two more circles had appeared and placed making the original design form an equilateral triangle, not nearly, precisely, and that the dimensions of the other two circles were the mean value, in other words, the two added together and then divided by two, a mathematical ratio equi equation that we would understand. And these two additional circles were so made and so placed, it gave us categoric evidence. They were not made by people. And one might ask, well, how? 
This is how they, whoever they, the circle makers were, of those second two circles, had removed the chlorophyll. This is the ingredients of the plants. These were mm-hmm. two circles that were not swirled to the ground, but that were perfectly circular, but having the green of the plant, the chlorophyll, removed from the plants. And in the field adjacent to this particular um, conglomeration, a combination of man-made and not man-made, was indeed a 300-foot diameter extraordinary design. And that, too, was located with respect to the event that occurred that night. And so that's just one example of why I am now totally convinced that our next conversation, having relaunched the research, which was in a pretty bad state of affairs on the crop circle scene, it had fallen victim of the nonsense, the hoaxing, uh, as you have rightly kind of inferred there with the Doug and Dave business. You know, there have been many since. It's damaging. It's shooting ourselves in the foot, much like mankind tends to do to himself. But now we have, we have to relaunch this, reset the parameters, and get involved where consciousness is crossing the line here. This, this is much... We could say, Mel, prove... I could say this today on your program, prove me wrong that the ET mind is not already here. That's what this could be, that the ET mind could already be here and interacting with humanity in a way cleverer than I would have ever imagined. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Absolutely. We all know that, and this is, I'm only going to dedicate 30 more seconds to Doug and Dave, and then I'm going to talk about them forever. Right. We all know the, the intelligence apparatus loves to discredit, they love this info, they love to ridicule. Yeah. Who do you think, if anyone or entity, was behind Doug and Dave? Well, it, it would have to be, if anybody, the British government, or that they right. came forward having been influenced um, to do so. I would just say that um, I was about to do a National Geographic, which I am incidentally about to do again now, another um, a television documentary for National Geographic. But we were about, to, I was about to do this when the Doug and Dave, uh, about three weeks beforehand, and they told me, and, uh, and I know I'm saying this on air, there's nothing to hide. This is the time to speak it as it is. They told me that they were holding back the program, that is, right back then in 1990, um, because they had intelligence from the French intel, that's French intelligence, that Doug and Dave were about, through a British newspaper, to announce that they were making crop circles. So this was well in the intel system, and that I knew before the British public knew that that was about to happen. So I think we don't need to say too much more about that. In your expert opinion, Colin, and I'm sure I may get multiple answers on this one, then who do you think is behind the crop circles? That is a hard one. Um, Where I am right now, way much more work to be done uh, on uh, consciousness. I think that's really where we're going to find more of our answers. I think that the best answer I could give you at the moment is there's an indication here that we, that is the human mind, is either being... Um, influenced uh, 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 or um, interacted directly with. In other words, our minds are independent of uh, uh, the ET or 
external minds, intelligence, um, but there are two minds involved. That, that's what I know. I know that people make decisions to do things, have conversations which we can talk about, and then the answers, the interactive facet that comes back just like something or somebody listening to our conversation now goes out and reacts in a clearly reactive way. Um, uh, so uh, I, 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 I'm almost saying it's ET, uh, but I don't feel that we've quite got the evidence that it is, is, is absolutely that clear cut. Um, I, I, I think that if it is ET, uh, this is not the way we ever imagined it was going to be. I, I, I've just had this discussion with, with, with um, Frank Drake, uh, who, who you know, believes that the crop circle... Um, uh, crop circle constructions uh, used by ET, in other words, ET making them to respond and react with humanity is, is just silly. Well, the evidence points to the fact that uh, looking for radio signals might be rather silly when, yes. you know, when we've got physical effects occurring on our planet and no evidence, and I've got many more than the one that I've just explained, described, uh, that um, something else is working here already with us, with humanity. And so I, I'm inclined to think that it is ET, but we are involved in that hand. It's like rather than just shaking hands and meeting on the White House lawn, these are minds coming together that, that, that we thought that all of our actions and our thoughts were ours. And it could well be that it's not that simple. Colin, somebody, very timely, somebody just emailed this morning an article knowing that you were going to be on the show. Yes. And, and let me just read you a, a small tidbit. It, the title is Crop Circles Made, and you may have read this, Crop Circles Made by Military Satellites. Quote, I, and the person didn't provide a name, have been visiting some crop circles in the UK, and I took some samples of vegetation and dead insects with me. At home, with my microscope, I have been carefully observing the tissues of the plants and of the insects, in order to find out how their state could be reproduced. I put some healthy plants and insects in a modified microwave oven, combined with a laser burner. Yes, I'm truly sorry for this rude experiment, he says, and I examined the tissue under the microscope, comparing the tissues that I took from the crop circles in the UK with that I took from my microwave oven brought me to an interesting conclusion. They look highly similar. In other words, the crop circles have been reproduced by microwave laser technology. The technology is used by the military. What are your thoughts on this? That's a very interesting one. And incidentally, Mel, I have not seen that. Um, I am aware um, for some years that experiments that have been conducted, um, an analysis carried out on the plant tissue uh, at the cellular level and the insects that we find on occasions uh, deceased um, on these plants and in those crop circles have come to the same conclusion that the damage and the uh, changes at the cellular anatomic level uh, are very consistent with low levels of microwave radiation. So uh, I wasn't aware of the, um, the uh, email that you've just um, read out, uh, but I am aware of this exactly the same conclusion from other scientists involved. I, I, have to, to, I would say two things. Um, one is that uh, we have very few, but some, examples of uh, 
insects, life being exterminated uh, during what would seem to be the construction phase um, of uh, the crop circles. But I would add this, and I think it's kind of a caveat that that is an interesting one. Uh, people, people have said there are connections in it. This might not seem too obvious as I start this, but uh, people have said, well, I think they're made by by uh, uh, satellites, by technology the military and governments have. Well, that, uh, of course, we would leave an open door to that. Um, we, we, you and I, don't have all of the um, answers to that. Right. And so, therefore, we would leave an open door to it. But I would say this, this, if we are to account for all of the crop circles, we've already been talking about Stonehenge and, and, and possibilities they occurred then. But what I can tell you is they were definitely in fields of southern England. And I have, you know, written uh, uh, confirmation from farmers in that Stonehenge Stonehenge area uh, from 23 up 25, 26 period in that one specific field where I first saw my circles. But in fields around Stonehenge, I mean, I'm talking within sight of Stonehenge, uh, farmers there that were seeing them in the mid uh, 40s, and there have been many reports in the 40s in that general area. Uh, well, to the best of my knowledge and uh, our, that is the public's knowledge, we sure didn't have satellites with this kind of technology up in the sky capable of doing this uh, around that period. And so, uh, and incidentally, uh, there is the largest um, military uh, exercising area, missile firing ranges, of, of, it's called Salisbury Plain, in Wiltshire, England, again in that Stonehenge area, very large areas, they're, they're out of bounds to the public uh, for obvious reasons, they have plenty of territory to be experimenting with patterns from airborne technology. But here we have a situation where designs from the simple notes of the extraordinarily complex are appearing in public areas. Uh, and I, I would personally doubt, I really have my serious doubts, that the email that you've uh, referred to and my own information point to government constructing crop circles. It would be uh, me pushing the envelope too far to say that they're not making any. After all, if they do now have the technology and they do have the desire for us not to get to the bottom of this, um, it would not be, I think they've done some crazy things in the past. And so therefore, why wouldn't they be crazy once again and, and, and take us off uh, of our seeking the entire truth with this by perhaps fabricating. Uh, so that I would leave some some room for, but I personally have some doubts. I will send you this email later after we're done today. Thank uh, you. But uh, this person, and it's a longer email, but he ends the email by, by uh, this small paragraph that I want to read. He says, by the way, if indeed aliens have been around for thousands of years, how come that only since a few years crop circles have been reported since a few years, however, we do have Star Wars satellites made by us orbiting planet Earth. Once again, crop circles are not made by aliens or UFOs, but simply by a maser. I never heard of that term before. Maser satellite programmed by a bunch of geeks. That's just what he said. Yeah, well, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, and I, and I would actually like to make contact, if that's possible, through you with him, sure. 
Um, uh, it's a valuable exercise that he is that he has done, and I think uh, any, any input is is valuable, and uh, we're we're open to all of them. But um, I, I just have personal doubts. Um, I don't know whether he has personal knowledge or whether it's an opinion, uh, but um, I, I personally would doubt it. I think he's just connecting the dots. But talking about UFOs, yeah. many people, and I am one of them, wonder why we mix crop circles with UFOs. Uh, they may or may not be related, but as you said in the past, they're in the equation. Why do you say that? Well, because the orbs that we continue to see and we have films of, you know, I, I'm in my office right now talking to you, Mel, and uh, we have here five or six high-quality films that, are, that have come in from individuals uh, of one sort or another, several researchers. In fact, one this morning, funnily enough, uh, you, you had your email today, and I also right. had one several hours ago, um, saying that they have captured something of extraordinary interest on film, which is going to be shown in the next few days in England. Um, and so, therefore, that's that's my answer. We we do have orbs that appeared uh, appear inside the circles are appearing to uh, you could perhaps monitor them, uh, but certainly move purposefully. Uh, it's not like a balloon that's blowing across and happens to go over a crop circle, uh, you know, in the prevailing wind. That's that's not what these orbs are. They they are consistently approximately the same size, between 12 and 18 inches in diameter. Uh, they move purposefully. They will move around as if they're uh, interested in what they're looking at. Uh, you can almost feel the mind inside of them. Um, and so, therefore, you know, the, the, uh, the term we have to give them is UFO. And uh, that, that's what they are until we have identified them. Uh, so, yes, they are in the equation, uh, even albeit that they're monitoring what's happening. I, I personally have no evidence that cro uh, crop circles are made by the orbs um, or that are made by UFOs. Uh, I don't have that evidence, uh, but I sure have ample evidence that they are in the equation, as I've described. In doing this, I'm privileged that some people email me or contact me with information or, or, or images, pictures. And one person, I'm not going to reveal too many details, I want to keep uh, him or her confidential, but I saw some images that puzzled me. There were orbs, uh, the pictures were taken in the late 80s. If, if it's okay with the other person and with you, I'd like to put that person in touch with you because those pictures just amaze me. And for fear of security, he just or she doesn't want to come forward publicly. No, well, right. Well, thank you for pointing it out. And uh, most certainly, Mal, let's see what we can do uh, with those images. Thank you. Have you personally experienced anything unusual in connection with visiting crop circles, such as feelings, visions, physical sensations, heightened sensitivity, etc.? Well, most of those things, to be honest, um, most of them. And uh, whilst I, I kind of laugh there, uh, it's simply to uh, lighten the uh, the feelings that come with them. Uh, it, the, these these things can be life changing, and for for people that have had them, they often are. Yes, I have. Um, I'm trying to think of the very first. Uh, the, the first experiences were similar, and they each. Um, involved a sound. Um, the very first, I was stood in a, a ring which had been reported by a, a pilot flying over near Thruxton Airfield um, about uh, 15 miles from Stonehenge. And um, I went there 
to investigate. It's close to my home in Andover, Hampshire, with a bus detailer, Pat Delgado, Terence Meaden, and we pulled in a couple of others, some plant experts, and we went to this place. And with the farmer's permission, he was as inquisitive as we were. We made our way out to the uh, grid reference given to us by the pilot, and there it was, um, a ring. Uh, a ring in the field which the farmer couldn't explain, and nor could we. And we did the things that we did then, uh, took plants samples and soil and uh, we looked at nearby features and got the magnetic north uh, compass bearing to relocate it precisely in the field and we looked for physical features signs that people had or had not been there um, you know always looking for the, the the possibility that you're looking at man-made and it has to always to be eliminated as that is a starting point and uh, this was a mystery and what happened was that we left we did our work and i remember when i got home that there was one measurement that uh, i was particularly interested in that i had overlooked and I went back. I went back alone, and uh, I took the measurement very quickly. I was there with permission. There was no uh, uneasiness of being seen or spotted or anything like that. Uh, I was there feeling very relaxed, and I don't know why I did this, uh, but it may or may not be a key as to what then happened, is that I kind of walked outside of the ring into the standing uh, cereal crop, uh, up to about my navel, just above belt height, and I put my hands together and uh, I prayed. I mean, I've got to tell you, Mel, I, I am, whilst I've always believed there's a higher something, a higher intelligence, I'm not a person that goes to church regularly. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an extreme thinking person in that realm. Um, but I, I, yes, I have belief that something is there. Uh, but I put my hands together. And I prayed, and, and I said in my head, please, God, could you give me a clue as to what is happening here? And absolutely, immediately, that thought came out of my head. There was a buzzing sound, and it started at a very low level. I initially thought, that's an insect. You know, it kind of shocked me because I would just pray for a clue, and something immediately happened, and I... And I uh, and it's kind of, it kind of stepped back, and uh, it was at a low level. And I thought, well, oh, no, that's got to be an insect. You know, it was very close to me. And then it got louder and louder and louder. And this was buzzing, and the sound was so loud that the air was beginning to move. I could feel it kind of oscillating around my face, the hairs on my face. And then I kind of moved quickly from a, a mindset of being peaceful and like praying. I guess that's why I did it. And then I was fearful and I was looking. I looked around for the fastest way of running out of there. I was anticipating something actually manifesting. I guess that's my, you know, my personal electrical experience where it sounded electrostatic. And I thought that something's going to materialize. I mean, that something, it's like ball lightning or something. Um, but as soon as I became fearful, it seemed also to recognize that because it stopped completely stopped. It was start on praying, stop on being fearful. And I told people around me, my family, my friends, of course, the researchers around me, every day I told them this story. I, was, I, I said it was profound. This was something of great 
importance that happened there. Whether you believe it or not, this is this has got we we're, this is something. There's something going on here, and there's a spiritual element to it. This was this that was the feeling I had after that experience, and I lived with that for about a year until the second occasion when uh, Pat Delgado and myself were being interviewed for another television program on BBC Television in Britain. Um, Country File, it was called, and uh, I had finished my interview in a very large crop circle that had appeared in Wiltshire, and they had all of their equipment there. We had got out into the field to make this documentary, and Pat started his interview. He had a radio mic on with the aerial, which was a lead just out of his back pocket, you know, the, the type that they, they use right. in the studios, and... Um, I was stood, I was back just listening and watching Pat's interview, and suddenly I heard the sound. You, you know, you'd never forget it. It's an electrostatic crackling sound, and I heard it, and at the moment I heard it, <coughs> excuse me, as I heard it, Pat started to react. He was in the center of the circle. He said, there's an energy field around me. Uh, my, the hairs are rising on my arms and my head. It's all around me. Now, th now, this is on film. BBC were filming this. So it's all being captured on film. The sound engineer is pulling his ears, his, his headset off because the sound is so loud in his, in his headset. And at that very moment, when it's engaged all parameters of, t of the technical equipment, the red lights were coming on the camera, which was then burnt out. The sound engineer uh, had recorded the sound. The television camera, before it was destroyed, had recorded the images. And then we went... Um, that was, of course, the end of the day. They could do no more filming. When this... I'm cutting the story short, but when that information, that data that had then been recorded for the first time uh, gave us the 5.2 kilohertz inaudible frequency of that sound. We then arrived in the Birmingham studios in England for the transmission of that event. It had already got publicity in the newspapers and uh, a lot of people were watching. And as we went on air, they came over to us and about to give us our account as a voiceover to the actual event that they were going to show as far as the up to the point that it was destroyed and all the the power to the um, studios, the main BBC studios in Birmingham was disconnected and everything went out. That This is, you know, you don't need my word for this. It, your program, I think, is heard in Great Britain. Yes. People will know that the, those who were listening to that at that time, uh, what happened? The program dropped out as the automatic generators came into the facility to, drop, to pull the program back in. And so right from the beginning to the end, I have repeatedly had experiences that something knows precisely what it's doing. So here we are. This is a new phase in the research, and I have to say uh, intelligence is involved. Now, when that happened, the, the electricity went out and so on, do you think that a higher power had a hand? Or I occasionally listen to Coast to Coast in which – the satellite feed, it gets caught off, and we all know that's probably the NSA cutting the feed if there's something yeah. that's being said that perhaps threatens national security. Do you think it could have been the case here? Yes, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I, I am pleased you've said that because uh, in clarifying my last statement, I am talking about 
events in the fields that were about to be shown to the British people, um, that, I do believe, had nothing to do with the government. But what happened in the studio likely did. Uh, there's, uh, there's another indication that, that that may well have been. When we returned for another program in the Birmingham studios, they had told us, the production uh, people there had told us that during the program they were going to show us some footage of, that somebody had sent in of a claim to be a crop circle forming. And, uh, would we describe what we were seeing? They actually didn't want us to see it ahead of time. They wanted live, you know, our live reactions to it. But what happened was a, a tremendous embarrassment. And this has never been explained by the BBC or the people involved, the production people we got to know as friends who became very interested in this entire thing. We went on air. This was a live program. We went on air. They did a, a, a prelude. They showed the background of the crop circles and footage they had secured, the event that, that, that we've already discussed. And then they said, and this is what we have been sent from a viewer. Will you describe what you're looking at? And what had happened is that the tape that they were had programmed to run had been removed by somebody, and they inserted something that nobody was expecting to see. They, they had had somebody had literally replaced the original tape with one that showed a, a tornado in Japan. Incredible. Of all things. Incredible. And they caught us completely flat-footed. We, didn't, we were looking at the camera. We were looking at the production staff. We were looking at the guy asking us the questions like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, it's, it's a tornado, right? I mean, what are we supposed to say? So there was, again, there was, there was interference in the um, showing what the best, the best that we could give to the British people at the time and where this research had led us to. There was somebody, and I would suggest at government level, that simply wanted this thing to go away. And if it wasn't going away, they had to start interfering with it. You know, the whole Doug and Dave thing that came forward, I'm sorry to mention the name. It's okay. There was this. There were others. There were others, the Jim Schnarvels of this world, and perhaps we don't need to go into that either. You know, they have come and they have gone. And then we have the circle makers in London doing the same things. But at the bottom line, Mel, that worldwide, the phenomenon continues. We have been engaged, and it's our job, those of us who have information, to impart it. To, and I thank you for this opportunity to do that. Oh, I think you know we put the information out. I thank you for for sharing this information with the world, and it, you have to understand this is an uncensored program. A lot of times, when you go to a larger outfit, I understand they perhaps put certain parameters where you cannot uh, step outside. I was reading some some information somebody sent me today saying that the mainstream media is very concerned. As you probably know, the economy is not helping advertisers out there, and they're losing market share, they're losing ground to alternative news websites like ours. So the powers that be must be a bit concerned that people are finally waking up. They're gravitating to programs like this one to get their news. And something tells me that there's going to be a concerted effort to perhaps curtail, interfere, or oversee what we're trying to do. Yeah, well, I, well, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, the world is changing, and it's changing on every level. This is, I think, um, 
it was foreseen. I, I, I think that we've, we've come to the end of the road, and it's been driven primarily. Uh, I'm not a politician, but I, I, I th- I'm a member of the public who has been as concerned as everybody else at politics, at seeing the deception, the corruption, the lies the spin, which has been accepted as norm. They say, well, they were just politicians. Well, what, I mean, what is that supposed to mean? These are people who seem to have often forgotten, as have the unelected uh, um, civil servants, who are the inside people who we don't vote in, but that are operating and pulling the strings, um, who are in control. And they seem to have lost their way in, 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 in actually knowing why they're there, you know, as, as uh, representatives and, and servants of the people. I mean, these huge uh, conglomerates, these whole huge systems we call governments, uh, become machines that uh, have, take on their own direction and uh, enable uh, individuals with personal and perhaps collective agendas to operate outside of the controls and the parameters set by the people. And I do think that the dangerous period that we are entering, and I don't wish to feed this, um, I I would much rather be a person um, who uh, uh, simply puts out the message that we are all on the same page. We should all be on the same page. Uh, We we all uh, should be at this time trying to resolve the biggest problems uh, that we have manufactured for ourselves and this is now the time when we have reached the bottom of the barrel with the economy and many other of the uh, what I call global uh, health trends which which involve a lot of things like population and climate, human health and economy, environment, temperature all these things these are things that have led to an extraordinary period in time which we are living through and uh, I agree this is a dangerous period because those with the power that have been used to the power and manipulating easily in the past populations for their own good, whether it is a national good or an individual or collective or money, you know, business um, good. You know, I'm talking here about the kind of um, military industrial complex that seems to drive a lot of this stuff. Uh, The end is here and they know it. They know it, Mel. I mean, you've only to look at the television today in Iran to know that when people turn, it becomes not only volatile, it's changing and it's dangerous. And therefore, these are times when we can and should work with government to open this up for it to become reflective, uh, corrective, and to grow in transparency and truth. This is the only way we're going to come through into this new period. This is transition. That's what we're looking at. And you, with your honesty and your uncensored program, will be a threat to some because giving me a window, for example, and others like me, um, uh, you know, if we overstep the margins by a lot and and incite a problem, um, it's a problem. And I think we all have to uh, be responsible for what we say and how we react um, to this period. And so, yes, I do think that um, that the shift that's going on right now and the ratings that are dropping on the national front, national media, um, 
makes your programming that much more valuable, um, but nonetheless, to some, that much more dangerous. Absolutely. Well said. Colin, we have to take a break. We still have so much to cover. We're just warming up. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk more about crop circles, the feud you had with the British royal family, which almost turned into a David and Goliath legal battle, 2012, and the passing, the mysterious deaths of two crop circle researchers. I've discussed this on a few shows, so I'm glad we'll finally discuss it in detail. Also, we'll talk about your longtime dear friend, Pat Delgado, former NASA engineer, who recently passed away and who, among his legacy, left this for us. Quote, It is perfectly natural to ask if crop circles are hoaxes, but very difficult to explain why they cannot be hoaxed satisfactorily. Unquote. Yes. We're here with Colin Andrews, the father of the term crop circles, his new book, Government Circles, and his website, colinandrews.net. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with Colin Andrews in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and join us in the members area to tune in or download the second part of this great show which still has almost two hours to go of fascinating stuff. We'll take a break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more. And here's a song from Timeship, Cosmic Radio Message. Coming up, Thanksgiving. Nine meetings. Redskins haven't beaten the Cowboys since 1997. I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us.
Timothy Good, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.